0: This song is called He's Always Been Faithful. It's very fitting.
1: with me to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32. Jeremiah 32. Praise God. Jeremiah chapter 32. Today, I want to just share with you a message entitled, Your Reaction to God's Power. Your reaction. To God's power. Uh, This is actually a very fascinating chapter. If you have time to read it, I would encourage you to start reading at verse 1 and just read all the way down through. We're going to begin, and I had anticipated really only reading three verses of Scripture, but these three verses are right smack dab in the middle of a prayer that Jeremiah prays starting at verse 17. And I want to go back to verse 17 and start reading that. And just read all the way down through to verse 25. The Bible says this Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands, but bring the punishment for the father's sins into the laps of their children after them. O great and powerful God, whose name is the Lord Almighty. Great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to all the ways of men. You reward everyone according to his conduct and as his deeds deserve. You performed miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day, both in Israel and among all mankind, and have gained the renown that is still yours. You brought your people, Israel, out of Egypt with signs and wonders by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror. You gave them this land you had sworn to give your forefathers, a a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in and took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do, so you brought all this disaster upon them. See how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened, as you now see. And though the city will be handed over to the Babylonians, O sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. Now what we're reading right here is a prayer right in the middle of or at the end of this transaction that Jeremiah was told by the Lord to buy a field from his cousin. The Lord showed up to him one day and said, Jeremiah, your cousin's going to come, and I want you, he's going to offer a field to sell a field, a, property, a piece of property to you, and I want you to buy that field from him. And we see, if you read in the earlier part of the chapter, you see this little bit of struggle within Jeremiah's heart. It's not made evident until... His cousin shows up, and the Bible says Jeremiah spoke these words, and he said, and then I knew that the Lord had spoken to me. It wasn't until it actually happened that on the inside it was confirmed in his spirit, okay, God, you, you were right. You, what you said just came true. Now I know you want me to go through with this. God is ever so merciful. Even Jeremiah struggled with the word of the Lord from time to time. You and I struggle sometimes with the word of the Lord and what it is that God is saying to us, and then God begins to do things, and we say, we have an aha moment. We we begin to realize that God has spoken to our hearts, Lord, you've told me to do this. But there's this transaction that takes place, and what's so significant about this transaction is, is that... Essentially Jeremiah's cousin comes along and says hey I got this field out there I want you to buy it and he buys it for 17 pieces of silver. Now at that time that land was absolutely worthless. It wasn't a good business transaction. Jeremiah had no business buying it other than what God had told him to do. He is now fulfilling the word of the Lord. It was a bad deal, a bad thing. It wasn't wasn't something that was a wise business decision because the land was worth nothing. Why? Because the Babylonians were in control. The land in Israel was absolutely worthless to any Israelite. Because essentially, the Babylonians were going to wipe out the city, anything that was there. But God had a plan. God had a sign. He wanted this transaction to be a sign that one day His mercy would come back to them and bring them back out of captivity. It was to be a sign to them that God, though He was going to punish them at the moment, He was not going to be angry with them forever. I am so grateful that the mercy of God shows to each one of us that God will not be angry with us forever even when he has to deal with us from time to time. But there is, in the last part of this prayer that Jeremiah prays, there is uh, an important three verses of Scripture. It's all important, but there are three verses of Scripture that I want us to really focus on. And it starts at verse 21. The Bible says, You brought your people, Israel, out of Egypt with signs and wonders. By a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and with great terror. There are three things that I want us to see in this passage of Scripture down through to verse 23. And it is, first of all, the display of God's power, the display of God's promises, and then finally, the display of God's people. The display of God's power is shown in what God did. The Bible says this, that he brought his people out of Egypt with signs and wonders. The display of God's power is shown by this. It is shown by deliverance. The Bible lets us know that he brought them out of Egypt. In Egypt, we know that they were slaves, and there they were in bondage. They had no freedom whatsoever. They worked hard, and and the harder that they worked, Pharaoh got, you know, especially when Moses showed up, Pharaoh got even angrier at the people, and and after that, he decided, you know what? We're just going to make the Israelites, you know, don't provide them anything. They got to go get their straw. They got to go find the mud, and they've got to make their own bricks. They've got to collect everything. We're not providing anything anything to them here they are they're in egypt and they're there and they're crying out they're saying lord please you got to do something But the Bible lets us know that God displayed his power by proving and showing himself to bring deliverance. You know, brothers and sisters, God is still a delivering God. If there is something in your life that you know you need to be free from, you need to cry out to the Lord. We need to believe the Lord with you and cry out to God and he will absolutely bring deliverance in your life. You don't have to be bound by anything. You don't have to be bound by a habit. You don't have to be bound by an addiction, but instead God can set you free. He can break you free from that thing. If God was able to do it for the Israelites, he is certainly able to do it for you. They cried out to the Lord and they knew without some kind of a miraculous intervention, they were in a state of absolute hopelessness. And there are so many people that we we rub shoulders with on a daily basis who are in the same kind of state of hopelessness. There are people that you and I encounter on a daily basis who are absolutely hopeless and helpless without some kind of a miraculous intervention. Without God displaying his power on their behalf. And you know what? They don't even know how to pray for it. They don't know how to believe God for it. And so it's up to you and I to begin to believe on their behalf. Lord, display your great power in their lives and bring a change. But God showed his people what he could do by bringing them out of Egypt. He showed them a great display of power. We could read in Exodus and talk about it for, for at length. But what it was that God did when he brought them through the Red Sea how they got through on the other side and there they are and and they go from place to place and from place to place they had obstacles and challenges and different things that would would somehow uh, cause them to murmur and complain and all of those things, no water, no food and at every station, at every point, God showed up and provided exactly what they needed. He displayed his great power. He delivered them from the hand of the bondage of the enemy. And God stepped in and he brought them out of their misery and their hopelessness. Listen, brothers and sisters, many of you were in misery and hopelessness without Jesus Christ. We look back on the Israelites and say, I don't see how it applies. Well, look back at the cross. What were you before you encountered what Jesus did for you on the cross? Where were you headed before you had an encounter with Jesus Christ and you gave your heart to him and you offered yourself to him? Where were you? What were you doing? Listen, brothers and sisters, we were enslaved to sin. Sin had its grip around our necks and it was about ready to choke us to death. But Jesus stepped in with his precious blood and he brought deliverance to your life and to my life. So God is still displaying his power. The display of God's power was also shown by his deeds. Not just that deliverance bringing them out. But his great deeds, his great, his great hand being involved, the latter part of verse 21 says, With signs and wonders, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm and with great terror, God proved himself to be an all-powerful God in all of these, these ways. He brought them out of Egypt He got them over onto the other side in the wilderness and at every point in the wilderness there was some kind of a visible proof that God was who he said he was. When the people complained, God didn't zap them. Instead, he provided for them. He gave them water when they didn't deserve water. He gave them food when they didn't deserve food. He rained down quail from heaven, made those birds fall right out of the sky, right into their laps. All of a sudden, the quail couldn't fly anymore. And here they are. We want meat, Lord. We're tired of manna. All right. Birds. Go ahead. Poultry yourself to death. Right. Just eat yourself silly with the poultry. Here they're having quail now. They've got more quail than they know what to do with. Lord, we're tired of the meat. Give us the manna again. Gives the manna again. Every step of the way, there are great deeds and mighty things that God does. Every step of the way, God decides to show up and be there and provide for his people and to do the miraculous, brothers and sisters. And listen, God still does the miraculous in our lives. He still shows up and provides. He still gives us what we need. Even though sometimes we complain about what we have, he still gives us what we need. His great deeds. He displays His great power by His deliverance and by His mighty deeds. But verses 22 and 23 of Jeremiah 32 also show us the display of God's promises. The Bible says this, You gave them this land. Now here it is. You had sworn to give their forefathers a land flowing with milk and honey. They came in, took possession of it. We'll stop reading right there at the beginning of that verse. It says, you gave them this land you had sworn to their give their forefathers. Provision, we see the display of God's promises was shown in the provision of their ancestors or for their ancestors. God said, I'm going to give you a land. Remember when he had spoken to Abraham many, many years before Moses ever came along. He says, Abraham, I want you to leave your home country. I want you to go to a place that I'm going to show you. And as far as you can see, I'm going to give that to you. And God swore to him and showed him and promised him. But there were these wanderings of of Abraham's people. Abraham didn't possess the land. He didn't take it. He didn't have it. He was one man. And yes, he had many people with him, but but Abraham did not quite come to the place where he would finally possess the land. And we know that Jacob was essentially a nomad. He lived in tents. He moved from place to place. And you know, all, of, all of those ancestors, none of them had come to the place where they went in and they possessed the land. And we get to Moses' time. They come through the Red Sea. They wander in the wilderness. One generation dies off. The younger generation comes up. And that's the generation finally that goes in and possesses the land. God had promised a long time ago, but it took a long time coming. And there are times in our lives where we have to arm ourselves with this understanding that though God promised, that occasionally God will take his time in delivering that promise to you would I? It's not that God is saying, no, I'm not going to do it now. I've changed my mind. I'm I'm just going to, you know, change how things are. But God shows up and says, yes, I'll do it, but I'll do it in my time. He promised it to Abraham, but Abraham was many years removed. But the people walked through that Jordan River, went in, and the Bible says this, you gave them this land you had sworn to give their forefathers in other words this was generations removed from when the promise was made to when the promise was actually fulfilled and we have to believe that the promises of god as the bible states it are yes and amen they are absolutely true you can bank your life on it and you know what the amazing thing is the people of jeremiah's day were sitting in the place that god had promised they had lived there for years And now they are in a situation where they're seeing the place that God promised being ripped from them simply because they chose to go their own way. We'll get to that in a minute. But verse 22 says this it says, not only was this a provision, but this was a great place to be. I mean, this had it all. It had a land, the Bible says it was a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, for you and me, that's no big deal. It's like saying to us, it has everything you need. All the stores you need. All the grocery stores you need. The, the, the shelves are well stocked. Every, you know, the, the houses are cheap. You can buy a house, get into it. Everything's great. It's all wonderful. It's all exactly what you need. A land flowing with milk and honey. That's what it was. And this is what God had provided. God didn't bring them along to say, well, let me take you from one desert to another. No, they had spent enough time in the desert and now they were going in to possess a land that God said to Abraham a long time before, I'm going to give to you. This is what God did, God's display of his promises. The display of God's promises was shown in the possession by the ancestors. The Bible says this in verse 23, the first part of it, it says, they came in. And they took possession of it. They didn't come in and just live in tents the rest of their days. They came in and they took possession of the land. They took possession of the cities. We're all through the book of Joshua. We see the people of Israel scattering throughout the land, going and taking possession of that which God had promised to them and said, now this tribe, you're going to get this portion of the country. This tribe, you're going to get that portion of the country. And there they went in and they took possession. They didn't just live there. They didn't just somehow pitch a tent and say, well, we're here. Now what do we do? No, they went in. And they owned it. God promised that they would. Listen, brothers and sisters, the power of God and the promises of God are absolutely true. So the question is today, what are we going to do about it? Well, let this be a challenge of what the people of Israel did. And let's take a look. Don't you love babies? I do. It's so cute. Uh... Let's take a look at what they did. Verse 23, look at the latter part of verse 23. The Bible says this. It says this, listen. But they did not obey or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That shouldn't be reading that way. That shouldn't be reading like this. Jeremiah is saying, Lord, you displayed your power. You brought the people of Israel out of Egypt. You brought them into a new land to possess that land. You brought them into a place that you promised they would have. You displayed your great power in getting from one place to the other. You brought them in miraculously. So wouldn't it stand to reason that now they should serve the Lord? That now they should say, Lord... You've done all of these great things for for us. We are absolutely eternally indebted. But that's not how it reads. Listen to what it says. It says this again. It says, but they did not obey or follow your law. This is the display of God's people. That somehow, though God does the miraculous, though God does great things for each and every one of us, There are many times where we turn our back on what's in this book. We go against it. We say, you know, God, that's kind of difficult to do. I'm not really sure that I can do that. And instead, the Bible says that they didn't follow the Lord. Why not? Why not? Hadn't God done great things for them? We look back on it and we say, shame on those Israelites. You know, they've, you know, God's done such good things for them. How is it, how is it that they would turn their backs on God? And we, you know, we kind of, we kind of just sit back in judgment of them and say, shame on them. They should have done better than that. And yet so often many of us, how many times God displays his power in our lives, and all of a sudden we're hit with a little trouble, we're hit with a little pain, we're hit with a little difficulty, and oh God, how could you do this to me? Oh God, where are you? Where have you been? (laughs) And he says, "Yeah, I've been there all along. I've been bringing you through problem after problem, trial after trial, situation after situation. I'm the one who brought you through. Why? Because I'm faithful. I am absolutely faithful to my people. I'm true to my people. I take care of my people. And you know what? In the end, the whole book of Jeremiah, we don't see anybody responding in a positive way to Jeremiah's message. Everybody is rejecting what Jeremiah has to say. They say, no, 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 don't prophesy that way, Jeremiah. We want you to prophesy about peace because that's what those siege ramps outside the city actually signify, peace come on look what's happening something bad is taking place out here and yet in the middle of all of that we see in the book of lamentations which came from the pen of Jeremiah under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit lamenting how the city fell and how people were carted off to Babylon and and there for 70 years and in the middle of all of that desolation we see one of the greatest cries of faith when Jeremiah prays and says Lord great is your faithfulness your mercies are new every morning right in the middle of desolation there can be a proclamation of faith there can be a proclamation of how great God is God is and how mighty God is. It doesn't matter what you're going through, brothers and sisters. The display of God's power is enough and should be enough for you and I to say, Lord, we are so thankful for all that you've done. We're so thankful for everything that you have expended on our behalf. The display of God's people showed two things, and I don't want to spend a long time on it, but the the Bible lets us know it indicates. That they were stubborn. It says that they did not, follow, they did not obey you or follow your law. This, this kind of presupposes a couple of things that are really closely related to those of us who, you know, we love the Lord. We come to church and we believe in the Lord. Maybe we work for the Lord. And the first one is, is that they knew how God wanted them to live. And, you know, this knowledge brings great responsibility. They knew how God wanted them to live. They did not obey or follow your law. The law of God was there. It was there for them to see and to live by, and yet they chose not to. They knew how they were supposed to live and chose not to. Not only that, when you know something, you're responsible to act on what you know. When you know something, you're responsible to act on what you know and they refused to do so there was also not in addition to the stubbornness of heart there was also a slothfulness that they have there was like this this laziness this this you know, this just sort of giving half of what it was that they had. The Bible says they came in, took possession of it, but they did not obey you or follow your law. They did not do what you commanded them to do. Listen to what the New Living Translation says. It says they have hardly done one thing you have told them to do, which shows a laziness, a slothfulness. You kind of get the impression from that verse that they chose to do things that were convenient for them, but the things that demanded a little sacrifice and separation from the world and other nations, they chose to ignore those things. What God is calling us to do, brothers and sisters, is this, live in the light of his great power. Live in the light of the fact that he, in his great power, in his great promises, he provides for us on a regular basis. That he watches over us on a regular basis. And most of us go throughout our day assuming that somehow God forgot where we lived. We go through our day thinking that somehow God has forgotten where we work. That maybe God has forgotten about our situation and he doesn't quite really know what's going on. And so we gotta go to prayer to let him in on it. That's not what prayer is for. Prayer is to show your dependence on somebody who already knows what you're dealing with and what you're going through. It's to show that you really understand He is with you in every situation. If the people of Israel in that moment had cried out to the Lord in repentance, God could have come down and changed the whole course of history here. But instead they chose to do their own thing. Brothers and sisters, what God is really wanting us to to understand and to live by is live by the fact that we know that his power is the greatest power in the universe. That we can live according to a life that is pleasing to him and according to the word of God not because we somehow mustered up the courage and the ability to do it but by his precious Holy Spirit that he pours into our lives he enables us to live a life that is pleasing to him. He enables us to fulfill the the calling and the plan of God for our lives. Listen, God is absolutely faithful to his people. He is faithful to you and I and I believe with all my heart. That what God desires of each and every one of us. Is that we would remain faithful to him. The only example that we have of faithfulness in the entire book of Jeremiah. Is Jeremiah himself. You can't say that for other major prophets. You read the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah, you see King Hezekiah, good King Hezekiah. How was that he was faithful to the Lord? You read in other places in scripture, you see other people that are involved. In the entire book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was the only one who stood and said, Lord, your faithfulness is great. And you know, the amazing thing is, is that out of all of the desolation that would come upon that city, that a prophet could still stand in the middle of all of that and say with all of his heart, Lord, you're, you're still faithful. You're still faithful. You know, I read a verse of scripture had not anticipated even talking about in this prayer that Jeremiah prayed. But it also shows God's great power and how God is absolutely faithful to his word. You can trust his promises, whether his promises are of a positive effect or even of a negative effect. Listen to what it says. It says, verse 24, see how the siege ramps are built up to take the city. Because of the sword, famine, and plague, the city will be handed over to the Babylonians who are attacking it. What you said has happened. As you now see, what you said has happened. You know, God is absolutely true. His word is true, whether it is of positive or negative effect on our lives. His word is absolutely true. You know, as we come to the end of one year, we can look back over this year. Maybe you've struggled. Maybe it is that you feel like you've got siege ramps, you know, up to your life. And it seems like the enemy is trying to get in and get the best of you. Seems like throughout this past year, maybe you've had a a loss on your job. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe they've cut back your hours. Things are more difficult. Things are tight. It's frustrating, to be sure. You're waiting for the politicians to fix it. You're waiting for somebody else to fix it. You're waiting for people to come along and say, "You know, here you go. Here's a gift. You know, here's here's a couple million bucks. I don't need it." That's not happening. And somehow in all of the frustration of life, you're forgetting the fact that God has already done great things for his people. In spite of what the economy is doing, in spite of what politicians do or don't do, in spite of what people around you seem to think that they should or shouldn't do for you and somehow help you, in all of that, the faithfulness of God is absolutely true. You can trust in him no matter what you go through. Because his word says, and it lets us know that that the psalmist writes and says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed out begging bread. God will absolutely take care of you. He will provide for you. He will help you. He will strengthen you. And listen, brothers and sisters, we can approach a new year knowing that in everything that we're going to go through, that God has already done so much for us that it should warrant us saying, Lord, we're going to serve you forever. We're going to give you our best forever. If you do never do another thing for me, Lord, I am going to give you my absolute best. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? Just search your hearts and say, Lord, how, how is it, Lord, have I struggled, gone back on what it is that I know that you can do and what it is that I know that you've done for me? Maybe it is that in your life you find yourself struggling with thoughts of wanting to give up, wanting to just pack it in. I can imagine from time to time, Jeremiah might have come to that place where he said, Lord, nobody's listening to me. Clearly, the ministry is not my thing. Maybe I ought to do something different. But we don't find that. What we do find is we find somebody who was so faithful to the Lord that the Lord preserved him all the way through. Throughout the entire siege of Jerusalem, God took one man who said, Lord, I'm going to be faithful to you. And he cared for him and he protected him. And I believe with all of my heart, the last thing we should be doing is pointing our finger at God and saying, God, somehow you're, you're forgetting about me. But instead, we ought to be lifting our hands to the Lord and saying, Lord, I'm going to trust in you regardless of what is taking place. You see, because Jesus has done so much for us. He has done so much for us as a body of believers. He has taken care of us. He's seen us through a year that has been difficult. There have been difficult struggles for many of you, and yet you're sitting here at the end of another year, and you can confess and profess great is the faithfulness of the Lord. Simply because Jesus has done so very much for his people. We're going to approach this moment of communion, but right now we're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Lord to help us to keep our eyes fixed on him. Father, today, in the name of Jesus, we pray that as we approach this table of communion, that, Lord, you would help us, that you would strengthen us, O God, to serve you better. Help us, Lord, not to keep our eyes on ourselves, but, Lord, to keep our eyes on you. Forgive us, Lord, for not looking to you in all things. Dear God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help us to keep our eyes only on you because, Lord, you're the author and the finisher of our faith. You're the one who sustains us. You're the one who helps us, protects us, and watches over us. Lord, I pray for your people that you would encourage them, that you would strengthen them, oh God, to serve you with everything that is within them. And be like Jeremiah, instead of being like the people, be like Jeremiah who will stand his ground and trust in you and in your faithfulness. And Lord, you will watch over your people. Lord, strengthen each one, I pray, to serve you with everything that is within them, Lord, in the wonderful and mighty name of Jesus.